Pull up a stool and pour yourself a pint, as you're about to join three intrepid drinkers, Kevin, Justin, and Mark, as they embark on another beer-tastic voyage. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Beer-tastic Voyage. My name's Kevin. I'm Mark. And Justin. And we are back again here, and I'm super excited this week because we are finally getting to one of my favorite breweries in the world, Long Island Brew Company out in Riverhead, continuing our attack of the trifecta out in Riverhead. But uh, these guys are the first ones to move out there, and I'm super excited for it. And this was part of Mark's collection of beers that he brought back from his recon mission out to the East End. And so I'm going to toss it over to him to uh, give us a little bit of the history of uh, this fantastic company. So Long Island is near and dear to my heart as well, Uh, having lived out in Aquabog for a few years. It was uh, on my way home from work, and there were plenty of times that I stopped there and got some growlers filled on my way home. But uh, So to give a little background on the brewery, which is located on Pulaski Street in Riverhead, so it's right in the middle of Polish town. It's literally right across the street from the Polish Hall, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So uh, Long Island is founded by uh, two friends, Greg Martin and Dan Burke, who... uh, I guess worked at the same plumbing and heating company way back in the day, and they started homebrewing together, and eventually both of them decided that they couldn't do their day jobs anymore and found a way into brewing. Thank God. Oh, yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you so, <laughs> so much that they did that. You know, Long Island Brewing started up in 2009. It was when they sold their first keg, and uh, have they've been churning out good stuff ever since then, and it's you know, one of the oldest breweries on the island, certainly the oldest one functioning in Riverhead. For sure. I mean, I, it's, they're, they're a brewing company that I love going out to their, their brewery. It's, it may not have the biggest uh, tasting room, but they do events out in the, out in the backyard there. Um, yeah. And, they're, and the guys are just awesome. They're, the staff that they have there is fantastic. I've seen them every time we go to a festival or something. I I don't care that I've had all all their beers. I still have to find them. I still have to make sure that I get something from them. And the and I wish I found them in more restaurants, but they're in a lot of bars. And I'm always happy to try whatever the new thing is that they've come up with. Like I I look for it. I'm ve- I get very excited about it. Whenever I see them at a bar, especially if it's a breakfast out, I'll always make sure to get something because I want that place to keep ordering their beer from yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. So which ones did you uh, find for us today, Mark? So I brought back the uh, Polish Town Pilsner. Okay. Uh, we have a bottle of batch number one of Grandma's Kisses. Ooh, that is excellent. And I also got their chocolate porter because sadly... For I think maybe the first time ever when I was there, they did not have breakfast out on tap. That breaks my heart. I'm because super they took sad it off that. tap in order to put batch number two of Grandma's Kisses on draft. I'm I've already had um, one bottle of the Grandma's Kisses, and I really like this batch. And I'm interested to see what batch number two to see if they were able, see if they're able to get a consistent product or if it's going to be one of those products that is it's going to change a little bit and be different each time they brew it on just because the nature of the beer. Yeah. I think that, uh, there's probably going to be some drift in it from batch to batch. And I actually, I 
So we're drinking a bottle of batch number one. I still have one more bottle of batch number one, and I procured two bottles of batch number two. Oh, excellent. So if I can manage to sit on those bottles long enough, we can do eventually do a vertical of batch one, two, and three. Yeah, which is something that um, they always the um, the uh, the Black Friday stout that they come out with. Yeah, I love their Black Friday stout. Is is excellent, and I believe I have a bottle from last year, and I think you have a bottle from two years ago. No, I don't. But I was saying uh, that I believe Bellport Cold Beer and Soda still has some. Well, so. well I want to try to find a couple, see if we can do. Um, a little age progression test on that one because I think that's a beer that would really benefit from cellaring and really evolve as a great flavor. Definitely, and I'm going to be out of state, but you guys, uh, if one of you can make it down to the brewery this Black Friday. I'll be up in my, my yearly casino trip, but Steph usually takes a uh, trip out to the outlets on Black Friday because she's a lunatic, and uh, she'll stop like she usually does. She's the one who uh, grabs us those beers each year. Yeah, because yeah, they usually reserve a few bottles from the previous year. Yeah, uh, I, so you know, it's just something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, that that's one of my uh, personal favorites. So, um, as we start our flight here, I I assume we're gonna start with the uh, the Polish Town Pilsner, right? Indeed, we are. Now, the Polish Town Pilsner they originally brewed that one just for um, the Polish festival that they have each year, right? Correct. The, I believe it was three years ago, maybe two years ago. They had done it as a special release for the Polish Town Fair, but everybody loved it so much that they decided to put it on regular rotation. Well, um, the Polish fair is one of our favorite yearly events that they have out there. It's a great street fair that they host each year out in that neck of the woods. And normally as you wander around, you get your little collective collector's glass and it's Bud or Bud Light, you know, at all the trucks. So to have the opportunity to have something a little different than that, but not too far off because it's usually in the middle of the summertime. Um, it's, you know, it's usually in the middle of August. So you want a, a refreshing beer. It's usually for whatever reason, this year was a little bit of a uh, change because it, it poured, but it's usually insanely hot. Whatever weekend they do it, it's usually just absolutely baking hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just the nature of the time of year that they hold it. Yeah. So um, we've got some growlers. Mark uh, got a growler fill of the Polish town Pilsner. What do you have the, uh, the stats for the Polish town Pilsner? Uh, so, I'm going to say this, uh, Long Island, your website is terrible. Uh, you really need to work on yeah. it because uh, there's literally no information about your beer on your website at the time of us recording this. I had to go to Untapped and Beer Advocate to try and put some of this information together. Yeah, so, I will say that's probably the, the only thing that they don't do well is their website's really horrendous. Yeah, so... Dan, Greg, uh, you should please, work on that. Please update that. <laughs> we know a guy. If you're interested, we know a guy. <laughs> um, but looking at the beer, it is a beautifully crystal clear, uh, you know, light gold color. Very little head, and it's a five and a half percent alcohol. And it's got a little bit of the the hoppy nose that you expect from a pilsner. Um, you know, and very little bit, not not uh, definitely not a lot. Yeah, no, just a, just a little bit for some aroma, but I don't think it's it's not anything that's making me worried to try a sip here. And uh, I'm gonna go in, but you guys I see have jumped in. So what do you got? Oh yeah, I mean I've 
had this beer before. I definitely enjoy it. Like, in fact, Justin and I were there for this year's Pintwood Derby, which, uh, if you don't know what that is, you, I guess you were never in Scouts, and no one that you're related to was ever in Scouts, but basically, you get a block of wood that you then have to carve down into a car that you race down a track that's on an incline, and, uh, you know, something that's supposed to be for uh, boys around the ages of 8 to 12, you <laughs> and, know. And uh, they're excited dads. <laughs> right, well, yeah. So, Long Island, uh, two years ago, started the tradition of having a Pintwood Derby for, you know, us older folk who still, like, have way too much of a competitive drive, but really like to drink beer. And no outlet for it. <laughs> For the competitive but, uh, drive, at least. Yeah, I was drinking this beer, I think, pretty much that entire day because that was at the end of July. It was also super hot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, not much shade was to be had, so. You know, I bet they took a lot of the... I bet that idea was just, like, a bunch of the dads that normally make the kids... Co- you know, it's one of those th- contests where you always can pretty much tell which ones the kids did and which ones the dads, you know quote-unquote helped with right. yeah the ones that the dads help with get trophies yeah um <laughs> you know a 12 year old's grasp of physics is not always the same as you know an adult as an adults and i think this is just an excuse just to get all those adults together and get them hammered and let them run, race this thing but i i was with you guys two summers ago at it i wasn't able to go this past summer i think i was um i think i was out in dallas at the time for a for a fencing tournament but uh, I've had the Polish Town Pilsner a couple times, and it's a really tasty, classic Pilsner. Yeah, I I like it. It's good for it's. I think it tastes better than mass market than mass market beers, but it's oh, it's really just a better version of them. Yeah, it, it's one of my favorites of theirs, uh, certainly for the warmer weather months. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Kevin Kevin hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's a super solid pilsner, great for a, a hot summer day. I think now that we're uh, you know getting into November and it's getting a little colder, I don't have as much of an appreciation for it. Right. I know that when we're at the Polish festival, it's that's definitely a, a go to, and uh, it's uh, it's solid beer. I don't know what what else to say yeah. about it. It's not it, it's not so much character to it that you can really describe it more than just to say if you if you dig pilsners, you're going to love this. Yeah, this is one that. Um... I, th- I think it's a great way to start a flight, just kind of get you going with it because it doesn't have any flavor that's going to wreck your palate. It's the, it's just going to get things lubricated, get things moving on. But it's also um, something that I would give to somebody if that doesn't drink craft beer. Not yeah, to it's get definitely them, a gateway beer. Not to get them into craft beer because I don't think this is really indicative of what I think of as craft beer. But it would just be kind of like saying, like, listen, this is what you think of beer is. And see, this company can make stuff that you think of beer is, should be too. So now that you trust this company to make something you like, let's try something else that this company makes. Because you know they already make something else. that You you, you, could, you now have earned their trust a little. That's a, that's a, a great point. You know, you, everyone has the, the friend that kind of comes out with you to a brewery or something. And they're you know, looking for something to get. And this would definitely be a, a good way to sort of yeah. ease them into the idea of okay, let's let's continue down the rabbit hole a little farther and order something maybe yeah. a little little off the beaten path. I mean, the other th- the other one 
that um, Long Island makes that is a great craft beer option and a great intro craft beer is their Celtic Ale. It's a little bit red, it's classic ale, and it's a really good beer. It has a little bit of flavor. Um, for those of you that may not be familiar with it, it's kind of like a slightly less hoppy taste on Boston Lager. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, Sam Adams, Boston Lager. What do you think, Mark, on that assessment? Yeah, it's uh, got a little bit less malt flavor and a bit more uh, of a bitter bite to it than Boston Lager. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, that's a fair set. But you, but do you agree that it's it's kind of like a cousin of Boston Lager? It's something that, like, if someone's familiar with that and they want to try a craft beer, you can kind of tell them that they're in the same neck of the woods. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, that that's where I'm really getting at. But, I mean, the Polish Town Pilsner, I'm a big fan. Um, as far as my rating goes, I would give it, um, I'd probably give it a bomber. Like, this is what I want. I want to get this. I want to get started with this. This is could be a good party beer it could be a good barbecue beer um if i want to cook brats with it or something like that but i'm i'm happy to drink this one and have it around for me it's de- definitely a uh, a growler yeah i can easily work my way through it and uh yeah no problems there <laughs> justin how about you i'm gonna go pint um it's not that i don't like it it's that i think it's a, a really good thing to have like i said summer day get yourself a pint of this chill out a little bit and then um for me i'm probably going to move on to something a little um like a, a little more off the beaten path I, I tend to to like beers that are um a little on the, the strange side so this is a great example of a pilsner and, and one that uh can definitely be uh useful as a gateway as a gateway beer i love gateway that term I, li- I like that yeah we're, <laughs> and we're sucking well. you in man <laughs> yeah just as like a little aside on uh, uh, related to that subject brickhouse brewery they sell more of their streetlight than anything else. And that's exactly what the streetlight is geared towards. Yeah. Is those people that come in, they're like, oh, can I just get like a Bud or a Bud Light? They're like, oh, why don't you try this streetlight that we make? Yeah, we, we, don't have, we, don't serve, we don't serve Bud or Bud Light, but try this. No, I'm pretty sure they do have the bottles there. For oh, the, they do? Yeah, the diehards. Like, I've seen people walk up to the bar in Brickhouse and order Coronas. Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen Corona a lot. I love me some Corona. I, I, there's nothing wrong with drinking a Corona, but drinking a Corona at Brick House is that should be illegal. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Justin. But you know, that's that, my point is just that like their Street Light, which is the pale light beer, right up Glen's alley. <laughs> you know, and and that's what they sell the most of. Yeah, no, it it definitely it definitely makes sense, and I think. Um, I, that's one of those ones where I get a little I get a little torn on it. I want people to like the beer and I I want people to to drink the craft beer, but I almost want to yell at them when they're like, "Okay, you're drinking the craft equivalent of the same thing. Like you're you're not ex, you're not experiencing really anything new. You're yeah, you're not a, trying to broaden your horizons. Yeah, like the, to me that's part of it is experiencing something new, finding a new flavor combination that you may have not have experienced before. It's like going into. Uh... You know, a fine dining restaurant and getting a, a burger. Yeah. You know, okay, they probably make a really great burger, but it's it's just going to be a little bit better. Yeah. There's only burger. so much Certainly you not can worth the eighteen dollars you're paying for it. Yeah. No, and it's definitely not Kobe beef either. Don't yeah, ball there's back. only there's only some so much that you can do with with a burger in that form. Yeah. So we've we've poured what I consider to be the the best thing 
to, to happen to a bottle, which is uh, Grandma's Kisses. Yeah, so Grandma's Kisses is their first commercially released sour beer. And we actually have uh, bottle number 216 of batch number one in front of us here. And uh, it is a sour blueberry ale. And, I mean, just popping the bottle open... I can smell the blueberries. I'm not even holding a glass up to my nose, but I can smell the blueberries. And I, you know, I love sour beers, and the fact that Long Island is now making some just makes me all the much more happier about it. Yeah. When Mark first told me they made this, I sprinted out there knowing that the first batch was limited to 252 to make sure that we all got at least one bottle mark has way more restraint than me because i bought three of these bottles and they were gone within probably six weeks <laughs> i tried really hard to like lead like lay off and then save it for a rainy day couldn't do it well my wife also got very excited when i told her about it and when she went out there to procure bottles i think she bought six of them oh my god oh that's that's and hence why we're drinking one bottle i'm Pretty sure I drank two previously. I may, I think I gave one to you, Kevin. Yeah, I, you did get one for me, and I, I, I think it let. I think I was able to hold off. I was like, ah, you know what? Let me wait for it. I was kind of planning on, uh, you know, drinking it at a get together with with you guys. You know, which is what we were doing, which kind of incited the podcast of, hey, let's share beers that we find. And it didn't make it. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame you. I, I cracked this open and I killed the whole bottle in I think like two episodes of West Wing. Because <laughs> I love West Wing, so I'm re- rewatching it. So I, I love when you you tell us about the color of the beers we're drinking, Kevin. So why don't you? Uh, hey, listen, start with man. That? I, it I think a golden straw color. There you go. Rather clear. A little bit of haze, though. Do you think the haze is from being cold, or it's just the nature of it? Uh you know what? I can't say because I don't know what the grain bill is in this. Okay. The what? Grain bill. What grain is used to oh, produce okay. the wort? So, I understand what you mean now. I didn't know yeah, what the, the so like, part of that was. If you think back to the uh, blueberry beer that we made, mm-hmm. we had a lot of rye in that. And it was delicious. Well, yeah, not only that, but if you remember like looking at the liquid after we removed the grain from it, it was cloudy as fuck. Yeah. Like there's no seeing through it, and that's because there's a lot more protein in rye than there is in barley. Ah. Uh. So what is typical for sour beers is there's a significant portion of wheat in them because wheat also has more protein in it than barley does and that protein contributes some mouthfeel to the beer because what happens with these had no idea what happens with these sour beers is the Britannomyces and the bacteria can chew through all of the sugar that the brewers used cannot and what happens is the beer ends up becoming very thin because there's no residual sugar in it. Excuse me. So what they do to combat that is they'll add wheat, they'll add oats, they'll add rye, which all have higher protein levels. And that protein contrib- contributes to the mouthfeel that you lose by not having any residual sugar. That makes a lot of sense. And it obviously also, um, this isn't as cl- obviously as cloudy as what we would look at right after we pull it out. Would, do, do they do any filtering to it or anything to make it clearer, or that just sort of happens? I don't know if Long Island 
filters, but they probably cold crash, which is just lowering the temperature of the beer. And when you do that, all the little bugs floating around in it will settle down to the bottom. Yeah, um, it's it's got a, it's the haze is is really light. And oh it's, yeah, it's it, not. It, it doesn't look. It doesn't have the look of an unfiltered beer, but I have a feeling, like you said, it's probably just the cold for it. They don't. No, but just in comparison to the Polish town Pilsner, you know. Oh, it, there's definitely it's definitely a sh- it's definitely two shades darker. Then it, it's almost like a light. It almost looks like a watery honey color. That yeah, that's a very you know very it, good description. Um, and I, well, Mark was giving us an excellent description about the func- about the function of the beer. I downed my sample because this beer is delicious you're right, right there buddy just justin's trying to do that thing where he dies again but we won't let him all right i'm not gonna let you go buddy not gonna let you go never gonna give I you up finished the grandma's kisses yet you can't let me go i'm never gonna let give you up never gonna let you go all right but the this beer is so delicious the blueberry flavor in it is it's got the aroma of the blueberry it's got the the blueberry right at the front of the taste you know Right there, when you start to sip, it blueberry finishes with a nice crisp flavor at the end, and it doesn't leave you like so. It doesn't have the tang. It's not super sour. No, it's not. But, it, I but think it's, it's enough that it just has that little bit of a quality flavor to it. Yeah, and I think it's just tart enough where it really makes the blueberry that's there kind of pop. I I agree. These this is one of the better things. In a in a brewery that I really love, this is one of the better things that I think they've produced in a while. It's certainly uh, the most original beer that I can think of. Like Long Island, like I love the brewery, I love their beers, but most of their beers don't really have a name. It's Kolsch. It's a double IPA. They definitely do uh, styles. Yeah, like here's the style of this beer. Go. Right. Yeah, and and they don't, for the most part, they don't give it a name beyond that or create any kind of a backstory. So Grandma's Kisses, uh, the artwork on the bottle is by a local artist, and it it's basically the silhouette of a grandmother making you know a kissy face lips at her terrified grandson who's like recoiling in horror and making a grimace. Yeah, <laughs> because he knows what's coming, and they have the blue um, lipstick kisses all over the bottle as all over the label as well. This in uh, this really, it doesn't even look like blueberry blue. It looks like a horrible cartoon blue that you just looks like Cookie Monster blue. Yeah, yes. there you, you know, and you would just see. You can just imagine like in in every it's the it's a television trope of the. Of the aunt or the grandmother that, you know, the kids don't like, but has way too much makeup on and just, come here, Donnie, I want to give you a kiss, you know? Exactly. It's going to happen no matter what, and the kid's not going to be able to avoid it. But you know what? She's going to give you the two shiny nickels afterwards, so it's it's all okay, right? (laughs) Yeah. Buy you off. You know, before we move on from grandma's kisses, just one more thing to note is it's still sitting in the barrel right now, but they actually have... A version of this that they did with raspberries. Really? Yeah. I uh, when when we Is were that there. Be grandpa's kisses. <laughs> I no. I mean, it's gonna be grandma's kisses, but raspberry sour instead of blueberry sour. But when we were there picking up the beer, uh, I asked them about it because uh, my homebrew club had a meeting there back 
in March or April or something. And Dan had actually told us that they, well, it was before they had even announced Grandma's Kisses the Blueberry. And, you know, he had indicated that they were, you know, thinking about doing a raspberry version as well. And I, you know, it's been a while and I haven't heard anything about it. So when I was there, I asked him about, you know, oh, hey, are you still going to do the raspberry version? And I was told, oh, it's sitting in that barrel right there. <laughs> there you go. That's, That's great. Cool. So I like, um, I like the it gives you a sense of connection to the product when you can talk to the people that are making it and they can literally point to the vessel that it's in like oh yeah that stuff that you're gonna enjoy it's sitting right there it's yeah, not it, on a truck somewhere it's not coming from a factory 500 miles away it's literally right there that is one of the cool things about the tasting rooms um all of them pretty much almost always invite the people that are in there to, to go back and check out the uh the facility and look through what you know where exactly where the the beer is being brewed yeah if you if you go to a brewery they may not necessarily advertise that they have tours but if you if you ask them yeah if you're hanging out and you drink a couple you know and you're supporting them and you ask them nicely and you say hey guys you know if you guys do tours would it be possible to look around i I'm willing to put mo- you know good money on the fact that they'll let you t- that they'll take give you around. They may say, "Hey, man, it's crazy busy today," but like, you know, in general, if you're there on a fairly regular, you know, if you're you're there on an average day, a lot of them do it. Yeah, I mean, I know at Long Island, they they come out from the back and like, "Hey, all right, come on back." Oh yeah, and, I've, you know, I've taken the tour in that one. It's it's fun. You yeah, know? it's a good time. Great South Bay too. They they make a big deal about it. It's nice. Yeah. So um, while you're pouring out the. Uh, the next uh, tasting. Why don't we uh, talk about the ratings for uh, for our, our friendly grandma? Um, I'll get it started. For me, Grandma's Kisses is a growler. Um, I like it. It's really good. I want to have it. I want to have it for a couple days in a row. And then I think, like Grandma, as much as I love her, I want her to go home after a couple <laughs> days. And... But the next time she comes to visit, I'm going to be super excited. But So, a growler for me is going to let me have some. If I have to share, I'll share a little bit. And I'll get a chance to come back for it for a few times. But that's, I think, growler's right about the volume that I want. I think I know, but Mark, tell us what your rating is. No, I'm with Kevin on the growler. Oh, really? In all honesty, yeah. Because, just like Kevin said, it's delicious, but a keg would be too much. I would not be able to drink my way through a keg. Yeah, it would take. It would be so long. Like I, it would be so long to get through a keg of this for me. Um, I'm, I'm definitely gonna go keg. I, I love this. I love every single thing about it, from the label to the carbonation to the flavor. Everything. This to me is one of the most perfect beers I've ever had. Yeah, I, I really, really like the level of sour that's in this beer. Of that, it's just just enough of sour you know it's just enough to make it interesting and not so much to make you pucker and not so much to really make you feel dehydrated like some of those really sour beers do but this like it's it's a really really well composed beer and i i hope they submit this one to a couple different awards to to a couple different like festivals and stuff because this should get a whole bunch of medals and it, it really deserves it and if you happen to see I don't think that's distributed, but if you're in the neighborhood, stop by and pick a bottle. Yeah, stop up. by the brewery and pick it's up. Absolutely worth it. Three. 
All right. Uh, much like uh, Kevin with Leaf Pile, I think I could continue to pontificate on it. But uh, yeah. what, what, do we, what do we got next? All right. So we're running out our uh, visit to Long Island this time with their chocolate porter. Because, again, like I said, sadly, the breakfast stat was not available. Well, for the chocolate porter, it's looks like it's one shade, maybe half a shade off of opaque. I, I can't really see through it, but it doesn't seem densely dark we're all we're all three of us at the same time all swung up to the light source near us and I, it, it it's certainly a very dark brown beer. it's very very you know maybe two varies you know but um you know little thin head on top got some nice lacing on the side though it seems to be hanging on the bubbles are hanging on to the side a little bit it's one interesting thing um i wanted to ask earlier what what does the lacing tell us exactly? What I mean, I, I kind of understand that it's probably about the texture of the beer, I would guess, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it really has to do with the protein content in it. The more protein in it, the more it's going to stick to the sides of the glass. As far as my memory concerns, I might be talking out of my ass right now, but... I have no idea. I just know it's a characteristic that people look for in beer, so I can comment on the fact of whether it exists or not, but I have no idea why the reason is. Yeah, I believe it's a combination of the alcohol content and the protein content, but... I'll take it. Um, so, taking a... Uh, you know, really testing the nose out here. It's got a really rich coffee and chocolate scent to it, almost like any other chocolate porter you have. Yeah. You know, it's... And I think this kind of speaks to what Mark was saying before is, you know, some a lot of their beers are an example of the style. And I think that just the nose itself is a really good example of the scent that you want when you get a chocolate porter. Yeah, and it, you know, on the, it's there in the nose and you taste the chocolate in the flavor of the beer. Yeah. And there's a little bit of roastiness on the back end. Yeah, just, a, it, just a touch. Yeah, it, but it's nice. Yeah, I think this is one of those um, instances where you, you smell it, you taste it, and you're getting exactly what has been advertised. You know, a couple of the beers that we've had on past episodes, we've said, wow, the smell is, is like the uh, the black currant uh, porter from uh, Mustache. Yeah. They, that you could really smell the currants. Right. And then when you when you tasted it, it still tasted great, but the, the powerful um, currant smell didn't follow all the way through. Yeah, which, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just, a, it's an interesting uh, interesting thing to, to see how the different beers, how the aromas are attached to the flavor. Yeah. Or even uh, like uh, San City's Fade the Jade IPA. Right, that that had a powerful smell, but not necessarily a super uh, powerful taste, right? Yeah. Right, that one was I, I remember that one. I, I, I thought that one was pretty good. Yeah, I, I, you know, um, this chocolate porter is, is really good, and I think it's a really good example of the style. And it's got that chocolate flavor. It's got that roasty flavor. It smells really good, but it's I don't think it's anything to write home about either. You know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to go hunt this one down. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, I might choose it over the Polish Town Pilsner just because I like the style a little better, but I I feel like it's the, I feel like it's a base for something else. Like, okay, take this and what are you going to do with it for me? You know, up this a bit. I know exactly what you say. I appreciate you say a chili. That's right. <laughs> of course, Mark wants to add a chili to it. A little bit of heat from a chili pepper in this, though. No, I yeah, I certainly up this. 
and chocolate chili is not a new flavor combination. It's you know it's it's been around for a I while. Mean, they make it's, candy bars like that. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. It's, I, my wife gets me the uh, the chili Kit Kats from Japan every once in a while. Yeah. I love those things. Yeah, yeah the but, next time but, that happens, I'm gonna gonna hit her over the head before she gets in the house. <laughs> you can order like, them off Amazon. Yeah, but like chocolate chili fun. is one of those is is a flavor combination that's been around for a long time, and it's a it's a great combination. But again, like. I, you want to take this beer and you want to add just a little something to make it special. I yeah, think, I follow yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, you I know. think that's where the, I don't. Yeah, like, I don't think you're uh, you're downing it at all. It's a it's still a, a super solid great beer. I'm gonna drink it every time it's put in front of me. But um, I I do wish we were reviewing the breakfast stuff. Yeah, another time. Yep, well, it's no, why there's, I, that's I, why there's more episodes. You know, I am super excited to do a like a, the the age progression. For lack of a better, I don't. I don't know. Is there a term for like when you do multiple different years of a same? It's beverage? called a vertical. It's called a vertical. Yeah. Okay. I, I hadn't been familiar. So I'm super excited to do a vertical of the breakfast stout or of the Black Friday stout. Like I think that's going to be really good. That's based off the black of of the uh, breakfast stout, if I recall. Right. Uh, no. So the the Black Friday stout, I. Uh. I thought that was the rum barrel breakfast stout or something like that. No, so their breakfast stout is an imperial stout. It's not a Russian imperial stout. It's not that strong in the half character. But basically, their Black Friday stout is uh, how much malt can we fit in our mashed ton? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a thick beer. Yeah, it, they, it, it, literally, they fill their mashed ton with malt. And then fill the space in between with the water and bring to, a to collect the sugar. That's awesome. Um, okay, I then I was getting confused on it or something, but um, yeah. As far as a rating goes for the chocolate porter, um, I'm going to give it a, a solid bomber. You know, I'm I'm happy with it. I probably want two pints of it, and I could see myself in certain instances saying this is the beer that i'm drinking tonight i'm happy with it i'm gonna drink it all night yeah i'm and, with you it's definitely bomber territory about a bomber. for me yeah How about i could have a, a couple of glasses and be happy but uh after that i'm gonna be wanting something else in variety right into a bomber same same as uh as you kevin i'm it's gonna be a bomber for me the same thing i just want i want two glasses of it and then um i'm probably gonna be done yeah i saw you uh ninjing away over there did you find something interesting or are you looking at something yeah i was trying to figure out um the if there was some background on the black friday kind of where, where it started where well, it's it came not from. on their website no no it's <laughs> not no it's not i wasn't able to find anything oh all right um well like i said we're gonna pick that up with that hopefully will uh that, that will definitely be a future episode i'm not even gonna say hopefully that definitely will be a future episode yeah it might just have to be like a year from now instead of this year because we might have to wait and if we're not able to find any of uh, the 2014. Yeah, if we can, if we can't go back to 14, we will have to sit on it and I'm okay I I'm okay cuz I plan on drinking it in 2017 also, so. Oh yeah, and 2018. <laughs> <And> 2019. <laughs> as long as they're going to make it, I will drink that beer. Yeah, it's definitely that's definitely one thing I look forward to every year. Plus, um, the uh, the tulip glasses we're drinking out of are actually Black Friday Imperial Stout tulip glasses. You can get them 
every year. Actually, I think two of them are. I don't think I don't think Kevin's is. Yeah, I, I'm the odd man out with the Firefly Hollow Brewing Company. Which... Yes, Kevin has a souvenir from when I went to a brewery in Connecticut before going to my uncle's house for Easter. <laughs> um, that that's a good way to plan to deal with family for Easter. I don't blame you. Um, but maybe sometime we'll. Uh... Yeah, well, next maybe next time you head up to see your relatives, you bring back a couple beers from them. Uh yeah, I'll certainly see about it. <laughs> and uh, another Connecticut brewery that I'm a big fan of that I know uh, has some decent distribution is the Two Roads Brewery. Yes. Um, was drinking the uh, what is it? Is it the Kentucky Lightning? Kentucky Lightning is the, the other day, and I was super happy about that beer. That was a really tasty one. What kind of beer is it? Um, it's a is it a bourbon barrel age? No, it's a it's a kettle soured. Yeah. Uh, it's a it was really good. You know, just like, uh, I'll be honest, I downed it so it's fast. A kettle, I, kettle soured blonde ale. Yeah, wow, it, that it, sounds really interesting. It was really tasty, and I was super happy about it. And I'm gonna, I know they have some t- decent distribution, so I'm gonna have to find another bottle of that. We'll we'll crack it open next time. Yeah, it's got got just like a clean lactic sourness to it. That's not overpowering and uh yeah it's a nice beer that sounds really good um one of the questions i had for you was uh today we uh i saw you were doing some uh some meads for a uh, competition yeah so the long island beer and malt enthusiasts uh annual competition is coming up and uh i don't have confidence in the couple of beers that i have that are fully conditioned to do well so i'm putting all of my money behind uh, my meads. So you're gonna have uh, three meads. These aren't the social meads, for the record. These are uh, drinkable <laughs> meads. Yes. So what um, what meads did you produce for? Uh, so I'm submitting a couple of bottles of Blitzen from which was uh, last year's Christmas from last year's gifts. batch. Yeah, that that's an awesome an awesome beverage. So Blitzen is 15.8 percent alcohol, and four was certainly too many. Yeah, four <laughs> was way too many, and. Um, at a recent housewarming party, I cracked open my last bottle of that to share with a friend of ours who um, doesn't like to drink beer too much. Um, oh, it was Pete? He, yeah, it was Pete. And yeah. he says it, it gives him a, too much of a headache or something. I, I don't yeah, really understand what happens. He needs to, like, you know, but, man app- up. But um, apparently drinking cider and mead doesn't bother him because at a friend's bachelor party, he drank quite a bit of the Carol's <laughs> mead and felt fantastic and really enjoyed it. So, And he tried it and as soon as he took a sip, it was just his response was, "Whoa, that's a lot!" Like it hit that that hits you hard, man. It really does. It, it causes the world to go in slow motion. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to Blitzen, I also am submitting a prickly pear mead, which uh, it was also my first experimentation with uh, boiling the honey before fermenting it okay. to caramelize the sugars. I think we mentioned on an earlier episode that you basically napalmed yourself. Uh yeah, well right. that that so that wasn't the prickly pear batch that was this year's holiday sizer, uh, which I haven't come up with a name for yet. So listeners, if you can think of a punny name that has to do with honey and apples, send it in, absolutely. and uh, you know if I like it, you'll see it. I'll I'll certainly tag you in the picture I post of the label once it's finished. Maybe we can get a bottle to somebody who if we yeah if, if it's able to yeah yeah we can certainly. See about doing that. Every time I hear the words prickly pear, I just start thinking of uh, Jungle Book and the bear necessities and 
I was a big fan of the Jungle Book, like the the old animated one when I, you know when I was a kid. And it's just you know I'm just like if you pick a prickly pear, then you've got a raw paw. And next time, beware. Like so, I'm just sitting here dancing into my head, like I don't know. You did get deep into Jungle Book, man, dude. Wow. Listen, Baloo is my spirit animal. Okay, I don't know if you guys understand this, but bears are kind of like I'm kind of a fan of bears. I think they're pretty awesome animals, and Baloo is my favorite. I did make you a wooden six pack holder with a bear bottle opener in the front you open the bottle with the bear's teeth the only negative is for whatever reason every that time. bottle opener causes every beer even the flattest possible beer to explode all over you every single time no matter what but that is an awesome gift and it currently sits on my ca- on my countertop just being scary being a bear yep just hanging out it actually um it holds some pot holders and <laughs> and serves as a bottle opener at all times so it's there all the time. Thank you, Justin. It's a fantastic gift. No, no problem. I'm glad I could uh, spill all of your beer for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, um, so I should say that this year's holiday cider uh, contains both Vietnamese cinnamon and vanilla. Okay. So did you did you um, procure all of that from Brickhouse's massive stores of Vietnamese cinnamon? <laughs> no, I actually bought it when uh, I went up to the Northport Farmers Market. I bought it from uh, it's a uh, Small spice company called Crimson and Clove. I think we, uh, I think we mentioned them when you picked it up. And yeah, we, that's uh, right. And I think we linked them in the notes. So if we, they're there, they should be there still. And, it is uh, very potent stuff, though. Uh, anybody out there listening is like, oh man, I want to give that a try. It's very potent. You don't want to so, do the cinnamon challenge with the Vietnamese cinnamon. No. Uh, well, you never want to do the cinnamon challenge, but. When adding it to the beer, so I made a, a tincture with some cheap vodka, and uh, you know you're you're going to want to approach it in that way because you could easily overdo the cinnamon if you just tried to add it at the end of the boil or something like that. And obviously, the only way you can really control the amount and be able to taste it is in the tincture because, like you said, you all kidding aside, if you try to do uh, even eat any amount of cinnamon really without it in something, it's it's almost impossible to do. Yeah, so to just give you perspective, I don't know the brew house size at the brick house off the top of my head, but Paul, the brewmaster, the my most recent homebrew club meeting was at Brick House, and Paul was going through his, I believe it was the Chai of the Tiger beer. Yeah. And he was going through the spices used in that, and he said that he uses a quarter of a teaspoon of the Vietnamese cinnamon for the entire batch. Really? Yeah. So, so, so there was no stash of Vietnamese cinnamon found. Like all he needed to do was, you know, get the tiniest bit. Wow. Yeah. So it's really potent. Wow, that's crazy. Um, I also earlier um, in the day here while you, while we're recording, you showed me the uh, the tincture of uh, anchos. Oh yeah, that you got started. I'm assuming that that's going to go towards your, uh, your uh, the sour beer that uh, you and Justin are working on, correct? It's going, yeah. So the plan is to make tinctures out of several chilies, anchos being one of them, and uh, we're going to once the blueberries have done marinating in the the sour beer for a few months, we're going to pull a sample of the beer and then try dosing it with various tinctures of different chilies to figure out what we like and in what proportions yeah i'm i'm looking forward to being a part of to hopefully being a part of that and the tincture that you it smelled delicious like yeah i anchos aren't very hot but the 
flavor that they contribute is yeah. I, I, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it, it's, the smoking has to be part of that, right? Because the, an ancho is smoked. Um, Poblano. Poblano, yeah. Uh, it's dried. I don't know if they're smoked necessarily, but you do get a lot of like, uh, sort of like raisiny notes from the anchos, and you know, I, I just love them as far as dried chilies go. So we we got anchos going. I'm throwing out some habaneros from my freezer. I have like at least two plus pounds. <laughs> So well, I know we're not going to need them. No, I wish no. we did. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I still have more in my freezer. But, uh, yeah, I pulled out three. Tomorrow, once they've thawed out, I'm going to chop off the the stems and try to remove the seeds as best I can on those. And then uh, see, uh, go to my box of uh, dried Spanish chilies and figure out what else I want to soak in vodka. I have, uh, if we want to do it, I have uh, some of those Red Dragon Thai chilies, but... I don't know. I think the ties might be a little too sharp. That's what it, what I was kind of thinking. Was yeah, the, uh, on the heat. Right. The, the habaneros themselves might be... Death, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little much on that part. The, but, you know, it, they can work well if you use a low amount like my uh, peach habanero colch, previously Which referenced. I really needs to make a comeback. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's in the cards. Uh, I need to cure more spring water because I'm lazy and have still not yet figured out how water chemistry works. Okay. So uh, uh, for all the other details that you go into, I think I can give you a pass on like the lack of water chemistry. Yeah, so I it need kind of more... pushes the limit of home brewing. Because so like I could throw together a five gallon batch of colch right now, but I would really like to take advantage of my fancy new electric brew system and make a ten gallon batch. And then five gallons can become peach habanero, and I can do something else with the other five gallons, whether that's just leave it as colch or whatever. Can you sour a colch? Probably not effectively because, like I referenced earlier, or maybe not earlier, maybe in the previous episode, the bacteria are very sensitive to the IBUs. Okay. So anything over, like, 10 IBUs, you're not going to get very much souring. So the cult, yeah, the colch would kind of kill them off there. Yeah. So, I mean, I could do a kettle sour on it, but that would just complicate the whole process way too much, especially with trying to do, like, I wouldn't be able to make 10 gallons and split five gallons off and sour the other five. Oh, uh, okay. You know, it, it, the logistics of it, I just... <laughs> Yeah, can't do it. Brain melting. You'd rather go working. back and do the water chemistry. Yeah, because so what I I'd have to run off so produce ten gallons of wort, run off five gallons to put that off to the side, boil the other five gallons, add the hops, finish that up, put that in a fermenter, then take that five gallons that I ran off initially, put it back in the kettle to maintain it at a hundred plus degrees to make the lactobacillus happy. Stupid greedy lactobacillus for you know, twenty four hours to three days to it reaches the desired acidity level, and then boil that five gallons, add the hops, and finish Wait, it out. Did did I hear you right? Did you say three days? It would need to sit there possibly. Damn. All right. That yeah. That yeah. Totally way too complicated. It depends. It depends greatly on the lactobacillus strain and the temperature that you are keeping it at, and how quickly they'll sour the wort 
Wow. For more information, go to the Milk the Funk Wiki if you're interested in a home brewer. Milk, I know milk neither of you guys know what I'm talking about, but so it started off as a Facebook group, which if you asked for access to, they'll let you join in. You just got to make sure you read the sticky and follow the posting guidelines. But it's a Facebook group of a bunch of guys that are just like, hey, let me try these probiotics. Let me put that in beer and see what happens. Or, hey, how about this Greek yogurt? It's not pasteurized. Let me put some of that in my <laughs> beer and see what happens. So they, they, they are just really going out there for there, whatever there kind of... There are guys uh, that are will try anything in that group. There is one guy maybe about a year ago, maybe a little more than that, was making some sauerkraut. Okay. And not ju- you know, not waiting until the sauerkraut was finished fermenting and then taking some of that juice to add it to the wort to sour the wort because the bacteria in the sauerkraut fermentation go through uh, uh, vocabulary stages succession okay. of which bacteria are dominant over the course of the fermentation. So this guy started the sauerkraut fermentation and then like once a day or twice a day was taking like some of the juice off of the sauerkraut and adding it to his beer so that he would get that succession of dominant bacteria in the beer fermentation. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I love this person. That is the most ridiculous thing I've heard in a long, long time. Yeah, so I... (laughs) I haven't been keeping up on the the Facebook group very much as of late, oh but God. it there's lots of interesting stuff and a lot of it is science driven, which is you know the greatest thing. And the thing I love about it too is, so like we've previously referenced the mulberry tree that I've captured mulberries from. Yes, you're you're, you're a tarp trap for mulberries. Yes, so uh, you know I. Having no experience with mulberries, I just went into the group and said, hey, has anybody ever used mulberries before? And, like, within a half an hour, at least six people, like, gave me ideas to help me figure out how to use them as far as adding them to beer. Have you used them yet? No, they're still in my freezer. Okay. Because I was hoping to get more because I've only got, like, two and a half pounds, which is not really very much. Yeah, you need probably more like four or five, six. Yeah, right? so it's going to, if I use what I have, it's going to have to be like a small batch that maybe I run a couple of gallons off of from a larger batch just to play with the mulberries. Well, that, now you now you know that you're, since your neighbor's tree produces mulberries, you'll know to steal more of them. <laughs> they're, they're falling onto your property, so it's they're your mulberries, but yeah. Yeah, so unfortunately. You'll know to hijack more next Unfortunately, year. what happened is I probably lost about, Two and a half pounds, if not more, from uh, some rain events Uh, and not collecting the mulberries off of the tarp before it rained. Yeah. And after it's rained, I just, you know, dumped off whatever's on the tarp because I'm pretty sure that it, you know, whatever had started fermenting already and whatnot. And I just... You, that, you that, didn't that, want to try to find out what this that's the bad kind of was there? Not really, no. Yeah. (laughs) I I did not think that it would be good. Yeah. Oh. Well, speaking of good sour, um, thank God for Grandma's Kisses. Man. Yeah, I I noticed we, no, none of us really, even though we like trying all the different beers, we had no issues about going back and finishing off the rest of that bobber, and we dumped that one back out and to the to our glasses and, and hammered through the rest of that. That was delicious. 
So yeah, I, I gotta I gotta give it to uh, to Long Island. Like we said, they may uh, this beer is a, a hopefully one that they build on, and you know they continue to uh, to uh, have the the raspberry version. And um, yeah, I really hope to see Long Island expand their sour beer offerings and really all Long Island beer breweries in general because I love them. Yeah, this was delicious, and um, you know. Three for three, thumbs up to to Long Island, and like I've said before, I I think almost all the stuff that I try from them, I I like for the most part, and they produce really good quality beers, and I'm happy that these guys continue to produce good beers and be successful and get out there. They're doing some canning now, they're getting the Celtic ale out in some out into stores. I'm starting to see in supermarkets, and yeah, they're Celtic ale and also their Baylor IPA. Yeah, I, I, Baylor IPA is probably one of the few of theirs that I, I can't place what it tastes like. I haven't had it, in like, super many times. I, yeah, I believe I've only had it once myself, and I, being an IPA, I was not a great fan of it. To be honest... I don't recall it. To be honest, every time I go out there, if they have the, you know, when they have... I'm like, I gotta get the breakfast out. I gotta have a pint of that. And once it's once I start drinking with that, I'm like, well, I might as well just keep drinking more of these because they're awesome. I like their raspberry wheat too. The raspberry favorites. wheat one that they produce is good. Um, I think I'm they, looking forward to, and uh, I was told it should be back on tap before long. Is their hooligan? I was just gonna ask if the, that was on tap. So they didn't have breakfast out or hooligan. Wow. Yeah, the hooligan. The hooligan. The hooligan is like a seasonal for them though. That's not on tap all the time. Like the oh, breakfast it's not? out usually is. Now I must have just last time. Like, last couple times I went, it was probably just. The didn't right they time. make an like an orange, orangey kind of one during the summertime? They have a summer ale, which yeah. has a. Their summer ale is tasty. It's I, got uh, coriander like in it. I want to say. Yeah. Definitely has coriander, and I, I enjoy this. Yeah, summer their, ale. their summer ale is a really good beer. During that one, that one you see a lot of distribution during the summer as well. So if you get the chance and you see them out there, you know, pick up some Long Island stuff and give it a shot, and you know, help support them, and you know, send us a line and let us know what you think about it. Tell us on Facebook, tell us on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and I think we're on it. What else are we on? Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, Instagram Facebook. Facebook. That's you know, got us and, covered. And then, um, of course, good old, good old fashioned emails, you know, and, uh, you know, coming up, you'll hit, you know, you hear Amy remind you about all these again, too. So, um, you guys got anything else for us on uh, Long Island? No, no, but we look forward to returning to them in a future episode. Yes. Well, future episodes. I think we're going to have to share multiple things that these guys produce. That's true. They do have a wide enough variety. Indeed. All right, boys. Well. Another one in the books. Let us know what you think. If you enjoyed Beertastic Voyage, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to review and rate us. The guys can be found online at www.beertasticvoyage.com. On Facebook at www.facebook.com slash beertasticvoyage. And Twitter and Instagram at beertasticshow. Or send them a good old-fashioned email at beertasticvoyage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and cheers for local beers.